0: Welcome to the Thrive Today podcast. I'm the media host for Thrive Today, Natalie Bourne, and I'm the founder of Innovation Meets Leadership. Look, our primary goal at Thrive is to help you take the authority of God's word and connect it to your success at work. Well, today I am so excited to introduce you again to the founder of Thrive Today, Colleen Rouse. She is not only been a senior pastor for over 30 years, now she serves as the founding pastor for Victory Church and
1: the founder of Thrive Today. Welcome to the podcast. Hey Natalie, so good for us to be able to hang out again. I love it.
0: I know. Well, I'm excited because we haven't done this yet. We haven't talked about your amazing book, Resilience, and we're actually going to uh, really dig into this book today. And I'm excited because this is something that
1: um, not only do we need to read about, but we need to get it inside of us. Uh, Absolutely. I, I think it's hugely important and it is something that we are kind of missing out on. And we have to get back to this place where we have a a lot of faith in what's available for us in the future. Okay, slow that down. Faith for what's available for us in the future. Say more. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm looking around today and, you know, uh, bad news sales. And so what we are seeing now in front of us is a lot of bad news, a lot of It's going to be horrible recession, you know, all of the, all of these words that don't paint a bright future, future of possibilities. So I'm not in denial of the possibility of those things, but I have a higher source of information that I go by. And I have an understanding that there's a God of the entire universe who is not worried. He is not chewing his fingernails right now. He says, I have a plan for you and it's good. And so he's for us, he's not against us. And so no matter what, there's this childlike peace and faith that he wants us to have about him as a provider, protector, all of those things. And I think it's hugely important. You know, we're so busy trying to grow up. We need to spend more time learning what it means to be childlike in our faith.
0: Wow. You know, it's so interesting, even as we start this podcast, we're paralleling Um, the world's resilience with God's resilience. And immediately what I noticed that you said off the bat is you didn't start with innately what's inside of us because God has placed some things inside of us, but you start innately with who God is. And I love that because if we miss that understanding, then we can't dig deep for what's actually inside of us and surface it, which is honestly innately coming from God's character, not from us in and of ourselves, which is a very humanistic view when we think it's all on us. You're coming from us gazing upon and understanding who God is.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the God that we form, we might not have a crafted image, uh, three-dimensional, but we do have a God formed in our hearts. And he needs to be good enough that we want to follow him and serve him. And he needs to be strong enough that we trust that he can provide and take care of us. That's the image we need to make sure we have in our hearts about him. Otherwise, we are going to have very little to do with him.
0: Well, and it's almost like, you know, to me, it's it's <laughs> if any of us have grown up in a you know, family where maybe our father was angry or you know, we just saw him through a certain lens or maybe he was absent. He wasn't there at all. Sometimes you can then pass that image on to God, the father and think that he doesn't care about your affairs or he doesn't want to be involved. And I think, you know, we're not only saying, Hey, he does care, but it's the idea that, and he's placed some things inside of you that you now have access to because you're his child.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the thing is the reason we have to have the right image of him is because then we're able to trust him at his word, even though we can't see it yet, it's not fully come to pass yet, but we can still trust him because it's what he said. Not, I have to exalt what he says above what I'm saying. Yeah. And so my truth is not worth much at the end of the day, but his truth is everything.
0: Well, what I love about this book is you've, you've, packed it full of truths. And I want to talk a little bit about the format for this book, because I love how you surface these truths. Can we talk a little bit about how you set it up? And then I want to get into um, some truths that are actually in here.
1: So uh, this book is largely written to female leaders. And although I've got plenty other responses from men who've read it and loved it. So I was very intentional about showing women in history who have who are wonderful examples for us to follow, as well as women in the scriptures. And so each chapter is going to unpack these attributes that we see about resilience and reflected in these women so that uh, I wanted, by the time they finished this book, I wanted them to see the possibility of themselves as a female conqueror in all things.
0: Well, I love it because, you know, I can't think of any other author that can take Gabby Douglas Uh and like Sarah and Hagar and like talk about all of that in one book, because you kind of take it from, you know, let's look at biblical times, you take it from let's look at kind of now, and let's draw some different ideas on resilience and then take that ultimately and connect it to God's word.
1: Absolutely, because they share common things. And so it doesn't matter the time period. I just want women to understand there is enough amazing women around us to to look at, to draw from. Not that I am a proponent of man-hating or putting men down. I am not. That is just utter foolishness, non-productive. Don't do it. You're wasting your time. It offends the heart of God. But anyway, back to women. <laughs> I think that there's not a lot written to the feminine heart, especially representing us and, and showing us in history. And it is in the scripture. It was easy to draw from where we find women in history, women in scripture who exemplify biblical leadership, quality characteristics in regards to resilience. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting as I think about your book and just the impact that it's had on women who've read it, leaders who've read it. Um, resilience is something that is hot topic. However, I would say it's been a hard time to see that maybe in our society in the season, call it trauma of 2020, yeah. right? That people are still dealing with, call it the rising rate of depression and anxiety in our society, for whatever reason, um, we are talking about it a lot, but it's hard to see people living it out. Um, How does someone really get into that idea of choosing resilience over maybe just crumbling under this past season that we've had?
1: So that is a great question. We could talk for hours about this. And this this is one of those areas that I just get kind of like, Ah, no, don't do that that way. Because I see a lot of people almost uh, mishandling and sabotaging their own mental health Yeah, because of this word perspective, okay? Perspective has everything to do with how you're looking at something and how you view difficulty. and And because how you view it dictates how you're responding to it. Yeah. And I feel like the people have lost sight of the power of their choice and Mm -hmm. so they're they're busy and more aware and sort of caught up in the damage that has been done in their life or the situation they can't change and so Mm -hmm. they end up being stuck and then I see a lot of people practicing this um there's one thing to be self-aware but in the, in the largest sense of self-awareness, it, it has to do with how I'm impacting other people around me. The purpose of being self-aware is how am I showing up for others? That's the real purpose of it. But there's a level of self-awareness that has gone to this deep introspection of self inspections, Mm -hmm. suspicion, all of this of self where you're just kind of caught in a non-productive process because all you're doing is looking at yourself. So If perspective has to do with where our eyes are and what we're looking at, then we have to learn how to take our eyes off of ourselves and put them on the Lord. Because after all, we will inspect ourselves. The Holy Spirit conducts introspection, and He is the only safe one to go to for this because He will not lie to us, nor will He exaggerate our faults, nor will He cause us to feel condemnation. He brings conviction and confirmation conviction is yeah okay you did this wrong but the 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 other factor that he brings alongside is but god has made a way for you out of it so yeah i i want to see people get unstuck and so how they look at the situation is important and i love to use the example of the marvel films okay Think of the beautiful cinematography uh, done with Marvel, okay? And what happens is here's here's our heroine. They show up on the scene. There's the big, ugly monster. And the camera pans, and it shows the heroine as they step up to the situation. And at first, the look in their eyes is one of fear, like, oh, my gosh, do I have what it takes? But then all of a sudden, something, this awareness of what they have, comes on the inside of them and you can see their expression change and right before they chop off the head of the enemy you see the sparkle in their eyes like I got this so it is their perspective it's how they look at adversity I mean it and then they have their win because they understand what they're made of and I like to compare the Marvel films with Hallmark okay (laughs) You have to have adversity in order for there to be winning. Otherwise, all you're left with is a Hallmark film. There, There's no adversity. There's no winning. It's just you know exactly how it's going to turn out from the minute the film starts. And I say that jokingly because I watch Hallmark. I mean, I like to watch things that don't vex my spirit. So I will choose poor acting over garbage <laughs> <That's> any day. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's kind of like, how are we going to look at this issue? Um, when when we're in the midst of adversity, how we perceive this, if we look at it like this is going to crush me, or we look at it as this is an opportunity for me to discover what I have on the inside, because after all, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And God is for me and not against me. I mean, if we're going to confess sayings, positive sayings, positive confessions. I mean, some people choose to talk about I'm a princess, I'm this, I'm that. But I'd rather go to the word of God and confess what the word of God says about me, because that's where there's power, not in my own self-motivating stuff. That has limited power and it doesn't work up against big hairy monsters <laughs> only the word of god does so um i mean i've lived this i mean i could tell you stories of stuff that i've been through mm-hmm. And i'm going to turn to the word because that's what resilience is it's it's innate but it's connected to the word of truth Yes.
0: That's so good. You know, you mentioned something that I think is an unpopular uh, thing to talk about that we are going to talk about. Um, And it's also also in your book where we talk about how resiliency reshapes suffering. Oh my goodness. When we hear the word suffering, we just want to run. And it's interesting because I feel like even in the church, right in the Western church, suffering is never really talked about. It's more something that um, people talk about in the Eastern, right? Eastern Christians, people on, you know, in um, some of the most persecuted countries around the world, they'll talk about it. But for whatever reason in the West, because we're more comfortable, right? This is less comfortable to talk about, which is the idea that, yes, resiliency uh, builds, right? Having that resiliency, it builds that um, ability to get through suffering.
1: And, you know, part of the problem that I see with, some of the church today is that we and I and I take full responsibility as well as as those who stand in pulpits we have preached a gospel that is very much about a cushy lifestyle I don't know how well of a job we've done with preparing people for adversity mm-hmm. and um, you know we've we've preached kind of a, a very comfortable gospel and so That's why people have a hard time with this whole concept. Uh, Meanwhile, the scripture says, don't be surprised at this fiery trial. And when you add trial is one thing, but let's add fiery trial. That's all I need to say. And you can just let your mind go wild, because if it's fiery, this is like another level stuff. And he's telling us not to be surprised. So if you're not surprised by something, it's because you have some measure of preparedness for it. Yeah. So and that preparedness isn't one where, well, who knows when I walk out here, I could get hit by a bus. I'm not talking about that. That just induces fear. The preparedness I'm talking about is, again, I'm grounding in the understanding of his love for me, the enduring power of his word that he is with me. I'm not alone. And I'm a carrier of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like that. That It's a readiness, mm-hmm. a readiness for life that comes from an awareness of who he is and who's I am. Yeah. I know this is like basic one-on-one stuff, but I don't know how well we are grounded in the one-on-one. That's really a daily thing. It's a daily thing.
0: Yeah. That's so good. Um, there's something else you talk about in your book on oftentimes as believers and as people who want to lean into resilience, often we find we're on the road less traveled as well. We find that, um, I, you know, I've found this for many, many years in business. I would look around and just ask God, can you show me one believer that's similar to me? And, you know, I would travel for work and all this other stuff. And people would be doing weird stuff. I don't even want to mention some of the stuff they'd be doing. And I would think, God, is there not anybody around that just loves the Lord and wants to follow him too? And so even in those scenarios, just having to choose what was the right thing while everyone else was doing the wrong thing and knowing, Hey, you're going, that means you go to bed at nine 30 and everyone else goes out for the evening and you're, you know, hanging out in your room. And so oftentimes we are on that road, less traveled.
1: Absolutely. And I think that, again, going back to perspective, um, how we handle those moments, because I think the assignment of, you know, hey, the field's are right, it may not look like it, but the fields are right, so we need laborers. And so that means that I need to go out with a laborer mentality, mm-hmm. uh, a labor mindset. In other words, I'm looking for the right partners. I'm looking for the one who's right and, um, you know, just traveling on airplanes you never know who you're going to sit next to these days people don't talk as much you know they sit down they put their headphones in you know they're on their screens, so it's a little difficult more difficult to have conversations these days but one some of the best conversations I've gotten into have been sitting next to people on a long flight and and just kind of going through the process and just asking the Lord, okay, Lord, what is it about you that they need to know? So I'm making an assumption because if he says the field is right, then my assumption is, okay, this could be the one. Instead of how am I going to convert this person? You know, we're not on, it. it's not recruiting. We're not recruiting people into the kingdom. We're representing him to, to this world. And so, um, If I'm trying to recruit, then I'm going to be more, I'm going to go into my, I mean, I've been in sales and I I know it's easy to go into that mode. I don't want to sell Jesus. I'm not trying to sell Jesus. It's not my job to convict people of their sin. That's the Holy Spirit. I love how we've just kind of morphed into morphed into morphed. We've morphed into this little venture down this road, uh, but I think it's an important one for us to understand what it needs to evangelize, what it, so that we're not alone necessarily in the rooms at night. while they're out right. doing that, right? Okay, how do we build relationships with these people? So this is what I do not want to be included in, but how can I then reach out to them? How can I connect and engage yeah. them? I mean, yeah. we can have coffee in the morning. We can we can venture into a relationship right? and That's- build. Then you're not so lonely. I think we just need to look at both sides of this instead of, oh, I can't do that. Well, what can I do?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. And it opens so many possibilities when you ask the question that way. Um, You then kind of lean into this idea of obedience, man, all these words that are in here are hard. They're hard words. I mean, obedience is a hard word, especially when God, what we don't realize oftentimes when we're being obedient is that God is actually inviting us into something, not keeping something from us.
1: And that, you know, I, I don't know how much of this is linked to our own stubborn will, and possibly the way we were raised, you know, how did our parents train us to obey? And, you know, so I think that, and, and it just goes against the grain of our independent nature, you know, I want to do what I want to do. And so in and of itself, that word just kind of like, it doesn't, it's not warm and fuzzy feelings that follow that word. It's kind of like, okay, so uh, this is where, this is hard work as well as hard work. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is me saying, Lord, I want to delight to do your will. I mean, I have to sort of gang up on my own flesh, you know, to say, okay, this, this is, I know my nature. I know I'm this, I know I'm this way, but you are doing a work in me and you are changing me into your very image. So, I want to delight to do your will, because whatever you delight in, it's a lot easier for you to engage in. So Mm -hmm. I think we have to understand where do we start with this whole process? And so that's a prayer point, you know, and, and then we invite the Holy Spirit. Like I particularly ask the Holy Spirit to put a guard over my tongue because that's where we sin the most, right? We're saying stuff and we're like, oh, I I don't like the taste of regret. It's just, I just don't. That's good. So. Asking him to put a guard over our tongue to that he would catch us before the words come out. And I will tell you, he will take you up on that. And so many times where like I'm in the moment, I want to say something, and he's like, mm. <laughs> And I can override him and say it, or I can fall back. And when I fall back, then I then I get the sense of his delight. And then we know the other obvious outcome, right? But oh, yeah. Obedience is, like you said, how we view it. It's, it's a, we are entering into his best. Yeah. It's so all cool. about his best. And if you were raised by parents who constantly told you why you needed to obey, then you're going to have a harder time with that. You're going to expect God to tell you why. Yeah. Um, That was one of the things. Early on, when we were raising our daughter, he said, she needs, if the greatest thing you can teach her is to obey my voice. So she needs to know my voice, which is a whole other thing. And she needs to obey without question. Now, that didn't turn me into a dogmatic parent, but I would train her to obey. Sometimes I would tell her why, but most of the time it was like, look, just this. And, and I didn't pull that just because I said so, because... We know how that comes back at us later, right? Rolled (laughs) eyes and whatever, right? But um, the idea of conveying for her the need to obey. And then when she did obey, really making a big deal. It's kind of like what I do with my dog. When he obeys, he gets a treat, right? So when we obey, we do get a reward. And I want her to understand both sides of obedience. What happens, the consequences when you don't and the reward when you do. And So if we weren't raised that way, there's an understanding of God that we have to have that he trains us in this manner as adults.
0: Yeah, that's so good. So um, one of the last sections that you have in here is on this whole idea of compassion, which... We need so much more of that in the world today and in conversations I hear that we're having with each other around politics or name it, right? Name the topic. We
1: just need more compassion. Absolutely. And to me, this is the crescendo. It's the last chapter of the book. Well, this is the crescendo of the book because most of what the contents of this book have to do with your life and how this is affecting you. And this is the one that we're, and now we're going outside. It's kind of our call to action outside of how resilience affects me. This is how I show up in the world. This is how it, it spills out of my life to positively impact others. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: then how it starts out in the seed form to me, I understand it as it starts out as sympathy and sympathy is a good thing, but you know, if, if you, if you were a fan, um, uh, uh, Jerry, if you watched, if you watched his show for so long, <laughs> one of the things they would all say it in kind of this sarcastic way, Oh, that's a shame. You know, that, that wasn't <laughs> sympathy, <laughs> um, understanding just, you know, that, 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 kind of missed the mark on what true sympathy is, but sympathy, as we understand it, it has to do with our ability to look on someone else's suffering. Mm-hmm. Okay. And say, that's too bad. but that's not where we stay because it 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 also needs to grow into the place of empathy. Empathy is where I allow myself to feel the pain of another. And you read leadership journals today and empathy is is laced all through many of the articles because we're understanding that especially with this generation and the younger generation coming, they're they're not going to let you lead them until they understand the value they have to you. And so empathy is a part of that, our ability to feel the pain of another. And so and and that is that is good. So empathy causes you to feel it, not just look at it and observe it, feel it and identify with it but then compassion is the third step. That is where resilience comes to a culmination because now I'm activated to do something about it, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just gonna read, this is out of page 91. Sympathy is essential, however, it does not incentivize us as empathy does. Where sympathy occurs vertically, looking down to the one with pain, With pity, empathy is horizontal. It places us on the same plane, eye to eye. I get what you're dealing with. And we use this example of Jesus where Lazarus is in the tomb and Jesus comes and he's empathetic. We see this, they're weeping and he's weeping. But it doesn't stop there because it moves into this place of resilience because he's deeply aware of the problem but then we see how he prays. He already prayed. He said, Lord, I thank you that you already heard me. And then he calls him out. So we move from sympathy to empathy to compassion. And this is when, when Lazarus exits the tomb. It's a response to this compassion. And so resilience, you see resilience reflected in the life of another person because it's an overflow of the resilience of Jesus himself. So, I mean, I I love this idea of the progression of this. And I would say, don't be satisfied with just being the kind of person who's sympathetic, Mm -hmm. you know, poor you looking down and, and allow yourself to feel the pain of another. I know that right now there's so much stuff going around the world that it's easy to get compassion fatigue. So I'm not saying take everything on. But be an observer with hope, be an observer of the things that are going on around you. And then we ask him, OK, Lord, what is my involvement in this? How am I to act? And a lot of times when we are just in that place of empathy, we don't even need to ask. We'll get an idea. We'll get a prompting. And he's already moving because we're in a place of receptivity. Yeah. And, and this happens and then in those moments, I mean my husband knows, you know, like going out, I'm the one that's going to stop and go talk to that person or go, you know, at the risk of being a crazy woman and, you know, I don't care about that. That's you know, it's like this is my moment. He's prompted me to do something. And so then I'm going to go and do whatever it is, to pray for somebody, to just say something to them. You know, it's it's more, you know, not just Waiting, it is being expectant, walking around being expectant because I believe we are here solutions. Yes. If we're here solutions, we respond to the problems as a solution. So that's the full thing of going from sympathy to empathy to compassion. It's a full, it's a full progress that ends up in other people's lives being positively impacted by us, one way or another. I love that. Well, ladies you need to get this book
0: because again, you know, part of being in leadership is building resilience in yourself so that you can help to build resilience in others. And I just, I just love, um, what we talked about today, where can people, um, find this book and then where can they follow for more information about thrive?
1: Well, and, and the good thing is we now have a workbook as well. And it's pretty in depth. So if you're a leader, you're looking for small group material. This is there ready for you. Okay. So they can go on the website, thrivetoday.com, to purchase it. Just click on the resources and it's there. And I also I'm so thrilled. We also have it in Spanish. The book is oh, in awesome. Spanish. The workbook will come later in Spanish, but we do have it in Spanish. And um, you know, I just sent a batch of them to. Uh, to Nicaragua and the Dominican, to some girls that were just actually coming out of prison. And wow. so I love opportunities to sow in this wonderful soil. And so I want to just say, you know, this book was written in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of the lockdown, which I think was really important to really give me a proper perspective and lens to, with which to write it. Yeah. But the message, is still applicable. The, I believe this is a uh, a word that's going to stand the test of time because we're all going to need to be reminded of the fact that what we have is innate, and yeah. then how we, you know, like a muscle, how we develop the resiliency on the inside of us, and um, so that there is a, you know, an amazing response to situations. So I want to close with this funny story. Speaking of the pandemic and during lockdown. And my husband and I are out walking in this area, this, this park, and there was nobody around. Like everybody was hiding in their homes. We just couldn't, What stir crazy. And we're walking and talking and walking and talking. And all of a sudden, I hear this growl and I turn and there at my feet are two Rottweilers growling at me. They just came out of nowhere. Somehow the owner left them off the leash. And my first response, we went from talking about whatever we were talking about I just got as big as I could and I raised my hands and I just growled back at them (laughs) and they turned around and ran off. (laughs) And my husband looks at me and he's like, where'd that come from? And I think that, you know, I didn't even think about it. I just did it because there, I believe that that was an example of resiliency. It's like, oh no, you don't. Oh no, you don't. And you know, afterwards we laughed about it, but this is the thing. There is a growing in us. There is a developing opportunity in us regarding resiliency so that when things show up that are unexpected and when things are threatening and when things are growling at us, we have an immediate response. We're so convinced of this word. We use, we 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 don't wait for the problem. To be able to declare the word of the Lord, we are declaring the word of the Lord daily, and yeah. that's an art. And art is a poor choice of words that we've sort of lost the understanding of. Yeah. And you know, I know it feels weird to stand up and proclaim and declare the word of the Lord over your home and over your family, but it's biblical. As mm-hmm. for me in my house, this is what we're going to do. We're going to serve the Lord. Yeah. So if we become those people those women those leaders who understand the power of declaration that is goes a long way towards us becoming resilient women for good i i
0: love that that is a beautiful final thought thank you so much for your time today this has been amazing
1: i've so enjoyed it always a blessing hanging out with you natalie and i just want to just take a minute to brag on you you do these podcasts in such an amazing way and Um, it's just wonderful doing life with you and thrive. Let me just tell you girls thrive would not be what it is today without this beautiful leader sitting in front of us. So show Natalie some love in any way you can, because she is a treasure. So thank you, Natalie.
0: Thank you. This has been an absolute joy and pleasure. And so speaking of a community of ladies, ladies, I want to ask you, if you have not gotten into community with thrivetoday.com, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Head over to thrivetoday.com right now. Click on the link to join our community and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Be a part of conversations that nourish your mind, your spirit, and your heart. And so we want to see you at thrivetoday.com. Join, be a member with us. Um, It's not that expensive. And as a result, you're gonna get such great content, such great um, community around you. And so we wanna see you there. Um, Ladies, we wanna remind you, As you live your life, we want you to do it with leadership, community, and strength. We'll see you next time.